Good day, everyone. I'm Rita Joyan, and welcome to Unbox Your Gift. All about how to turn the thing that you love to do, your passion, into a profession. And today, my guest is really a, like a hero, a total hero, because you know when people have excuses about why they can't do something, why something is a bit hard. Yeah, my guess is to totally defy all of that because the line of work that he's in, there is no kind of thing called excuse. You just have to get up and train. My guest today is none other than, of course, Jesse Ongles, who is, a, who is an Australian Paralympic swimmer. He represented Australia at the 2016 Rio Paralympics and this year in 2018 won gold at the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games in the 200 individual medley, which if you don't know what individual medley is, I didn't. It's butterfly, backstroke, breaststroke, and then freestyle in the one heat. Please welcome Jesse. Jesse, welcome to Unbox Your Gift. Thanks so much for having me. This is like a total, because I've never interviewed a, a gold medalist before, so this is going to be very exciting. And you are an incredible person because here's what I know for sure. You, you were participated in the Paralympic Games, uh, the Commonwealth Paralympic Games this year. But what I was saying to you before we even started the interview was that the, you've demonstrated that you're not, you, you're not disabled. I don't see that in dis, as a disability. You are more able than most able-bodied people because of the way you function, the way you carry yourself, the way you execute on this thing called your passion. So tell me, Jesse, how did swimming all begin for you? How did it all unravel? How did you find that you loved it? Yeah, well, I guess I think a really big key to that is I've had a really good support network. Like, I think especially my mom, <laughs> being yeah. a huge, huge fan, tries to be as embarrassing as possible. And dad also <laughs> has traveled the world with like t-shirts with my face on it and oh. banners with my name. <laughs> So having, having that support network, I think, makes it always a lot easier. I think with anything, there's difficult days um, and they, they can be a bit of a hurdle to get across. And I think that's a really key part of getting through those is having that support network there. Um, and that's how I originally got into it as well. So because I was born as a dub, double leg amputee, um, it's quite a, quite a bit to learn how to walk already. Um, <laughs> But then when you're missing both your legs to learn to use the prosthetics, um, I've got a knee joint on one of my legs. Um, so it's quite a, quite a complicated process. Uh, it doesn't happen overnight. So to assist with that, um, I was enrolled in swimming lessons just to try and get a bit of muscle activation to find, <laughs> find my legs or find my feet. Um, and I really, really loved it from the start. So I would have been about two years old. Um, and I've heard stories where the lesson had finished and mom was like, all right, it's time to get out. And the coach or the swim teacher was like, all right, time to finish up. And I just keep going. I just keep putting my head under and keep paddling. And then even get like lifeguards in and they'd be like, everyone like, come on, it's time, it's time to move on. And I'd just be enjoying myself in the water. I think it's quite a sense of freedom. Um, and it's also helped me a lot. Uh, I don't want to say with my disability, but it's helped me a lot in life. Um, what with your health? Yeah, yeah, it's been fantastic. But like yeah. swimming does, it helps people with their health. So you started at the age of two swimming, just for the sake of, you know, yeah. body functioning and getting optimum health. Were, so you were born uh, as a double amputee? Yeah, so from birth, which I think makes things a little easier. I think it's the only thing I've ever known. 
um, it would be really tough uh, losing something later in life and having to adapt. And I've been lucky um, as a part of the Com Games kind of experience, I've been able to go and meet some people. Um, there was one in the Gold Coast Hospital who only recently lost his legs in a motorbike accident. And he didn't know the Paralympics existed or anything in that sphere. Um, so he was not, not in the best um, like mental frame, I think, um, thinking that his life was kind of over. Um, and he, of course, in hospital, you've got some pretty terrible like chairs and mobility options so where we came in and he saw like the prosthetics that i have which they're pretty cool i'm pretty lucky um and i talked to him about all the options that are out there and he went and watched kurt fernley who won the marathon in the track chair um which was an amazing experience for him and i think really turned things around so in, in some ways i'm quite lucky to have been born <laughs> with my disability rather than um have it later in life mm-hmm. and i think sometimes of a challenge is uh, an opportunity as well. Wow. Did you ever see yourself, because as to the world at large, it's called the Paralympic Games. There's the Olympics and there's Paralympics. But at the end of the day, you guys deserve more of an honour, more of a, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a greater privilege to see you guys compete because of the odds you have to overcome in addition to the training and the sport and the mindset and all that. Have, did you ever see yourself as quote unquote disabled what the world would label no i just see myself as me like some days i forget (laughs) i think especially when i was growing up you just you just see all the other kids and like unless you look at yourself in the mirror often you don't even notice some days you never focus on what you can't do you just think about like what you want to do and what you can do Mm -hmm. um and yeah thanks it is pretty cool i think the paralympics is growing a huge amount um we tend to refer to the Olympics as the test event because they come beforehand and make sure, like particularly in Rio, all the plumbing's working, like the building's working, the catering's fine. And once they've got everything running smooth, the Paralympics come in and that's, that's the main event. That's the real deal. That's, it is yeah. the real deal. So have, I, what's interesting to me is one of the things that I've learned being in my own journey and working for myself for the past few years is it's all a mental game. And I know that sport is a parallel to business because it's all mental. It's grit and it's pursuing, pushing forward in the training. How has training for an Olympic, a Commonwealth Olympic Games, how has that, what, what, what impact does that have on your psychology that you find is different from other people in your position? Yeah, wow. <laughs> That's a big question. Can we take it back a little? Sorry. <laughs> I can give that a crack. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of sacrifices you have to you have to make a lot of tough decisions like I think when you miss out on things that can be very disheartening like you can't just go out on a Friday night and party like I think going from like 18 through to 23 but I am now getting a bit old um but that's kind of like quite quite an age of maturing for a lot of my other friends they started going to uni and I missed out on a lot. I had to make that sacrifice. Mm. So I think, I think learning how to really manage your life is a really big part of that. And that's a really tough thing, especially when you've got like 6am morning sessions and you don't, you don't want to get up. You feel terrible. You're exhausted. You're missing out on hanging out with your friends Mm. and getting up at 6am in the morning. It is some days it's tough. And I think, 
uh, like I said before, you have to have a really good support network because sometimes I, I think it's, it's hard to admit. I think we all um, struggle to admit it, but sometimes we don't have enough in ourselves. And like you try and give it everything you got. Um, and of course, like once you get in the routine, it gets easier and easier and you learn how to adapt and I guess be strong through some of the tough times, but not, no one's a superhuman. And I think that's really where it's so important to have a good support network because I know along with my sacrifice, my parents and my friends and my family and my squad mates, my coach, they've all made massive sacrifices as well for me. And when I can keep that in mind, it really fuels you to get up and hit that 6am training session and really like work towards a bigger goal. So I think being able to practice it, do it long-term, you kind of adapt, you get to know yourself and like um, you do <laughs> get a bit hardier, I guess. You learn to make those sacrifices, but you also learn that you can't, you can't do it alone and that you really need those other people. And that's where like, I guess for me, um, it's been such a strong resource. That's been one of the main driving forces, especially on those tough days. Yeah. It's interesting that you tell me you have tough days because it's really good to know that, that it's not all excitement when you're getting up at 6 a.m. <laughs> you know, there is a human element, for God's sake, that comes in. I think you'd have to be pretty crazy to be excited <laughs> every day of the week to get up at 6 a.m. and go and dive in a freezing cold pool and do five kilometers. But um, oh, wow. it does make me sound pretty crazy when I say it like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, exactly. I think everyone has tough days. It doesn't matter what you do. Um, especially if you're making sacrifices, but across the whole board, mm. I think you have to find what can get you through on those tough days. Um, Cause you, if you, even if you know it's worth it in the long run, everyone faces challenges along the way. So it's overcoming those. That's been a big, big part of like, I guess, achieving success for me. In, in our line of work and in business, we, there's a lot of work on um, mindset and preparing your mind for what's to come and preparing your mind for any challenges. With the Australian Institute of Sport, do the coaches and your squad team, do they prepare you as far as, you know, diving in the pool and doing laps and maybe doing strength work and all the physical exercises? Do you guys do any mental work, like any mindset work, like actual stuff? Like, and what kind? Um, look, I don't know. Yeah, you sound very, very well versed. So I don't know if we're up to quite your skill level. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just curious about what you guys do. We do quite a bit, um, especially with my coach. He has a very holistic view of swimming, so you can't just get in there and smash yourself and expect to win gold medals. And so that's a really big portion of what we work on is just trying to uh, work with the sports psych so that we can, I guess, have the best uh, information on how to um, think during training and just think during the rest of our, our life. Like there's a lot of, uh, we're trying a new thing lately, which is a little difficult. Um, it being, it's a bit of an acceptance of how, how you are. Mm. So train badly. You can be frustrated, yeah. <laughs> very frustrated. Yes. But we're working with our psychologist to be like, yeah, sure. You didn't train great, but being frustrated at it, is that going to make things better? And kind of accepting that within yourself and being like, it's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to not swim well. Um, that's a whole part of the process. And then to be able to refocus on what's next. And that's been really beneficial for me as well. Um, I tend to get a little bit too involved, a little bit too narrow focused sometimes. And I think that can be a bit negative. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, in that regard, we do a lot of training to make sure that our headspace is in the right place. Um, because I think that's far more important than where your body is. If your head is in the right place, it'll make a much bigger difference. 
And you're an athlete saying that. I love that. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say the ratio is to training physically to the mental stuff? Is it like 50-50 or 80% training physically and 20% of the mental stuff? Like what would the percentage be, for example? That's a, that's a good question because it varies. So we have, to, we have to think about where we are and adjust accordingly. So when I first came to the AIS, um, so when I first came to the Australian Institute of Sport in Canberra, um, so I, I came from Adelaide and moved up here and my coach took one look at me and said, Jesse, you swim like old lady. It's fantastic. We'll turn you into an athlete. So he, he's from the Ukraine. He grew up in the Soviet Union. So they've got a bit of a different um, approach. But because he was just absolutely smashed when he was training, he never got to compete fully rested. Oh. So he really focuses on having really good uh, energy and like just being in a good place, no fatigue when you compete so that you can give it everything you've got. So that means that we really want to focus on technique, especially coming into a, um, a race situation. Yeah. We'll kind of build back and we'll focus less on where our body is at and we really need be feeling good body wise but we need to be on top of things like we don't want to be doing like ridiculous amounts of uni and like everything else and be stressed when we want to focus and compete and same thing when I first got here um, I kind of never really engaged like all the focus that I could have in the pool um, I, I loved it I really really loved it but I'd never really thought deeper about it mm. um, and he encouraged me well actually he didn't really let me in the pool much um, I probably had maybe four sessions a week, which is less than half. Um, and we did a lot of like imagery. We worked a lot with psychology. We worked a lot with um, physiology, like all these people around the sphere of swimming, but not necessarily in the pool. Um, and then I learned a lot and really focused on like the mental aspect. And then when I got back in the pool, I did a four second PB after four weeks. So what's a, pretty four, good second, what's a four second PB? Uh, so personal best. Oh, <laughs> so the fastest by about 10%. <laughs> so massive improvement, yeah. So and that was just- gold, When you won the gold in the Commonwealth Games in, in the Gold Coast, so in preparation to that, how I meant like you didn't, weren't allowed, I, I find that amazing that you had to be fully rested because I'm like, you need to be yeah. like, you know, punching. <laughs> yeah. But it's not like that. So how much rest did you have before you won the gold? Um, wow, okay. So it, we taper into it. But really, two weeks out, when we have our watches on, our smartwatches to limit our walking, to make sure we're not doing anything unnecessary, like just chill out. <laughs> Don't stress about anything. We're really lucky that we got people looking after us okay. so that we can have out everything in prime condition for the race. Wow. It's just like being pregnant. You know, you got to watch everything. You don't get stressed. <laughs> Everybody cool down. The doctor's all right. He's on end. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so you this is really interesting. So, but what I'm hearing is that you really have to practice being stress-free before you go and perform. Oh, yeah, yeah. If your mind is somewhere else, you can't perform. That's, yeah. that explains a lot about me, okay. <laughs> that's the whole story. Oh, he's asking. So tell me, when you, because when you, you love swimming and, you know, you, you were in the pool as a little kid, not wanting to get out, and now you're a professional athlete. Did, does the love of a sport, does the passion, does that kind of get overtaken by the training and the drills and watching what you eat and, you know, 
all that, does the passion kind of subside, like kind of dwindle away? I think I'm lucky. I think for some people it does. And you hear about like some of those stories, like I think it might've been Pat Rafter from tennis who never, never really had the love for it and just pushed through. And I think that there are some people like that and they just have extraordinary talent and they capitalize on it. But I feel sorry for them. I, I really do. I'm very lucky that I love my sport and those things work together. All the tough hours, like all the 6am's at the end of the day are worth it. And I, I love every moment of being involved in it. Um, and I think for me, it was a, like the being passionate about it that got me there in the end. Because mm-hmm. to be honest, I wasn't actually very good when I was younger. Um, up until I was about 17, 18 years old, I was pretty uncoordinated and like I wasn't I wasn't awful but I certainly wasn't stand out like you wouldn't look at me and go oh he's gonna do all right <laughs> he wouldn't go on to be a, an elite athlete they'd be like oh no he's just he's just average um so uncoordinated probably a little bit short for my age like not the best athlete but I just really really loved swimming so like kind of the freedom I got in the water just being able to push myself in something as well I just really really enjoyed it um and I, I do tour guiding at the AIS, <laughs> oh, sorry, Australian Institute of Sport. And I take, I take these kids around and I talk to them about all these amazing athletes and how when they were just 12 years old, they were doing these incredible feats and all of that. And I think sometimes it can be a little disheartening. At the end, they're like, wow, these athletes, they're so far up here. Like, that's just amazing. But like, that's never going to be me. So I like to tell them a bit about my story to say that, hey, even if you guys had the same disability as me, like at the same age, you probably could have beaten me in a swimming race. And now I've had the chance to travel the world, like do something I love, meet amazing people, just have incredible experiences. Um, And that's considering that all you guys could have beaten me at the same age. So there's something you love, like never write off that. Like even if sometimes you're like, oh, that's crazy. I'll never be able to do it. Because I never thought I'd be swimming for the Australian team. It was always a dream, but seemed unrealistic. But I really, really loved it. Um, and I think if you continue to persist with something that you enjoy um, and you have passion for, I think that's a really big key. And then all the difficult things, all the nitty gritty specifics can work really well with that passion. Wow. Wow. That's beautifully said, Jesse. <laughs> Did you visualize being on the Australian team and representing Australia? Yeah, 100%. I think especially being a scholarship holder, doing one of those tours when I was a little kid, or not little, but when I was much younger, um, I was kind of like, this is so cool. Um, and I was very lucky to have one of my heroes, Matthew Cadry, who's Australia's most successful Paralympian. He's won many uh, gold medals through the years at different Paralympic Games and Commonwealth Games. And he was actually a coach at my swim club and gave me a few coaching lessons. And that was during the peak of his career. And he just, he handled him so, himself so well. He really looked like a leader. And I, got, I really got to like dream based off the life that he lived and the person that he was and really aspire to kind of be a bit like that. So mm. I think I always had it in the back of my mind, but kind of thought it was unrealistic until I guess I eventually got there. Wow. That's, that's, that's incredible. Do you pinch yourself, Jesse? <laughs> oh, kind of just sunk in I should, there. I like, should more often. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> do you pinch yourself do you, like do you ever kind of think this is really ha- like is my dream is a reality yeah some days I think 
sometimes when I get moments to engage, like um, the person I was referring to in a Gold Coast who lost his legs, when I get the opportunity to go and like talk to people and see, because he was quite disheartened, he didn't see any future for him. And then to be able to show him and provide him with information that like completely changes what his aspirations were once he was leaving hospital, that kind of thing, when you go back after that and you're like, did that, did that just happen? I was able to like kind of change someone's life. Uh, If that sounds a little bit too presumptuous, but um, I don't know that I think that makes you have to pinch yourself. You're like, surely I'm in such a lucky position. I never thought I'd be able to do something or enjoy or be able to relate and have experiences and share things like that. So yeah, pretty cool. All because you, you, you pursued your passion, Jesse. All because you followed that. That's, that's, yeah. that's the real gold, you know? Like, that's <laughs> the real gold. So when, what, what allows someone to go from amateurs to being on the Australian team or being in the Olympic team? What, 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 what has to happen? Yeah, so I guess we're talking in big, sweeping, like find something you love and all of that, which is, I think, the underlying core parts of it. But then the, the ones that you got to focus on day to day, I think you got to sit down and you got to think about like, do I love this? Like, can I get through those tough times? And then once you say yes, <laughs> I think you've got most of the groundwork done, which is awesome. But yeah. then you have to focus more on the nitty gritty, the tough, difficult, individual, like one step after the other. So you'll be thinking, this is the thing I want to fix in my technique. This is the next step for me. Otherwise, it's just too overwhelming. If you think about like, how am I going to get from here to there? <laughs> if that's your goal, once you've got that in mind, you've got to really take it down to like the micro and fix and take each step as it comes. So if, if a parent is listening right now and they think that their kid really has a, a inclination or a natural talent towards a sport, you'd think just get some coaching, nurture that talent and then apply for a scholarship to the Australian Institute of Sport? 100%, exactly, yeah. Um, if, if their kid loves it. <laughs> I don't want to have any kids that have got natural talent that absolutely detest their sport, but yeah. I, I hope that's not the case because um, I brought a lot of happiness to me. Um, so I think exactly what you said. They have to find, like, of course, a coach, a good support network, someone that will help them go through that process, that step-by-step every day, making those little improvements. Um, and often you kind of get lost in that sometimes. You're thinking about the process. You're really focusing on each step you have to do. And if that's happening, then I think um, before they know it, before they even realise it, they'll be competing for, at trials and having incredible times and maybe wow. even making the Australian team, yeah. That's incredible. I was uh, watching, I was actually listening to uh, Kieran Perkins, who was an Australian uh, swimmer, uh, Olympic gold swimmer uh, back two years ago and I think it was at a dinner and he was talking about what he's doing now that he's retired from swimming and the world of the Olympics and he was working for I think he was working for a bank at the time two years ago and he was just telling me about you know the the transition from being an athlete an elite athlete where you don't take any excuses to come into the civilian life where (laughs) people don't have the same standard of you don't take excuses you just give it your all you know he lived in this bubble of being in the Olympic team and people just being at, at a level of exceptional and then coming to the civilian world <laughs> where it's maybe substandard, I want to leave early. I, you know, it was a different mentality. How are you preparing? And I know it's still early days for you, very early. <laughs> but are you preparing for the transition, say, 15 years down the track? 
100%. Yeah. I mean, especially that's a big concern of like mum and dad and my partner as well. Um, Ashley's very like, um, I guess, concerned that you have to make a lot of sacrifices mm-hmm. and that when you transition into the next like part of your life, you can be quite behind a lot of other people that have been working on their passion yeah. and you have to leave yours behind because yeah. um, it's only got a certain time limit. So that can be hard. So you do need to take those steps. And yeah, uh, Kieran Perkins is a perfect example of a perfectionist. Um, wow. So yeah, I think that'd be a struggle for him. He had a, a really good pursuit to be able to uh, like work on that and for something to really focus and hone his talents, which I think is something that he needed in his life. Mm. Um, and transitioning can be quite difficult. And look, I'm putting, like I said before, like the step-by-step processes together. Um, but I certainly, I'm quite a long way from the total goal. So it's kind of hard to say um, how things will end up. Yeah, no, and that, that's fantastic. It's one of the things that Kieran was talking about that his parents had in the back of his mind and they would just kind of remind him there and again so that it would just prompt him to think about what would happen about life after. But I'm curious to know, Jesse, what are your goals now that you've won gold? What are your next goals in the, in the, the world of swimming? Uh, well, back to reality. We've got um, trials for Pampax in Cairns. Mm-hmm. So the trials are in Adelaide in just three weeks from now. So we are in really hard training. Mm-hmm. So we've just finished a block of altitude training, which has been fantastic, um, which means that we've gone up to Threadbow trained there for a bit and then we come back to AIS and we've been training at, um, or living, sorry, in the Attitude House at 3,000 metres. So <laughs> that's pretty Why crazy. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? Uh, build extra haemoglobin mass. So the Attitude means less oxygen and your body has to work harder when you're sleeping and things like that. So whatever we can do to find these little one percenters advantages. Um, so it's been a tough couple of weeks. Not much, uh, no rest for the wicked. Um, working towards... Uh, trials, hopefully getting selected for Pampax, which is a pretty big competition. There's the US, Japan, Canada, Australia, Brazil, some really big names in Paris swimming. Um, and then, of course, working through to Worlds the year after that is the big one that year in 2019. And then I guess my lifetime goal has been to perform really well at the Tokyo Paralympic Games, which will be an absolutely amazing experience. So yeah. that's what uh, that's what the plan is. That's what we're working towards. At the moment. <laughs> that is just super. And we'll be cheering you on, all guns blazing right from here. If not, we're going to follow you there. <laughs> but can I ask you, what is, that's really interesting that you said to me that you go into, and I love that part of training. Love, that's what I love about the athlete's journey, that you guys do stuff. Yeah. Like, it's just like out of this world, incredible, amazing. I wish someone would write a book on it. Maybe there is all real. (laughs) But why, um, how, can you explain to me, now that you're preparing for the next series of heats, for the next series of competition, what's training like at the moment? Like, give Um, give me an average day of training that you are preparing for a competition. All right. So today is probably pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's not too much of a difficult day today, but this morning we woke up pretty, pretty nice sleep in and they got up about seven. And then we did um, a training session in one of the AIS pools where we used a tow machine. So basically working on our technique. So like we can't always smash ourselves in the pool. Some days we want to have a bit of a more technical focus, think about what we're doing. Um, but we have this tow machine so we can swim at world record pace. It attaches to the ceiling and pulls us along. So we're not trying at all. We're just putting in our best effort, focusing like solely on technique. Sometimes fatigue can take you out of that space. 
focusing on that quality while we're getting the feeling of racing really fast, which is a lot of fun. Um, and then I've got a bit of a rest today. Um, should get lunch and fuel up for tonight because we've got time trials. So I'm going to do a mock run. So kind of similar to this morning, but I'm going to be under all my own steam tonight. I'm going to have to do a mock run of my 200 AM and practice the kind of pacing that I'm going to do uh, when I compete in trials. Wow. So pretty big day. Today's all about quality and trying to get a bit of confidence behind me mm-hmm. and, and nail the process that I'm looking to do at trials. Um, and then next couple of days is a bit of a harder. We probably do two or three sessions each day. And then through the weekend, we'll have to start to calm down a little bit because we're getting close to trials and we need a bit more rest. Wow. Wow. I'm fascinated. I'm totally fascinated, Jesse. I'd like to shadow you guys one day and just not do the training. (laughs) Shadow you and see what happens. So you've got your goals set out. You are currently living in Canberra. Um, You've really done, you've just just been a a pin-up for success for people who want to follow your path and do the kind of work that you've done to go into the Olympic Games, to create a, from amateur to pro, turn into a profession. Is there any advice you'd give to your younger self? Wow, that's, like, again, that's a really good question. Um, I think I would tell my, my younger self to have more trust in the people around me. I think sometimes you forget um, that how much they can care about you and how much they want you to succeed as well. Um, like obviously like my family and my friends and all of that, I've been amazed by how much they've, they've given and sacrificed for me as well. But particularly in terms of my coach, who is like, I guess my mentor and we work really closely is almost family as well. It can be tough, especially Yuri has a very different uh, approach to most other coaches, very different background. Um, but I think I would tell myself a lot earlier to trust him more. Like he spent his whole life learning and I couldn't possibly have all that information. Um, So he needs to be the one who can understand everything that's happening. Um, And sometimes if I don't and I disagree, I need to communicate a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So I would tell myself to to listen (laughs) and to trust my coach. He he is a fantastic mentor. Um, And I think that's really important because sometimes when it's coming from a different worldview, a different experience, mm. it can be difficult to wholly open yourself up. Yeah. I think after all the success we've had together as a coaching athlete team, I think I'll definitely go back and tell, tell myself to just open myself up a bit more. And sometimes even if it sounds crazy, give it a try, have a bit of trust. Oh, wonderful. Is there any advice you'd give on choosing a coach? Because obviously that's a big part of the process and the journey. Yeah, I mean... I think the big thing is uh, there's no one right coach for any particular person and everyone's personalities are different. Every coach's personalities are different. And I think there's a bit of a stigma sometimes in um, the athlete world of moving around with your coaches. And I think sometimes that's a good thing. I think people are like, no, you should stay where you are. It's not loyal. Obviously if it's working, you should stay. You've you've hit the jackpot. That's great. Mm -hmm. But I don't think there's anything wrong with, learning from different people like you can take their perspective and you can train with a different coach so i think that's a really good process is to <laughs> sounds bad but try a few yeah. and see what you like yeah because i don't that, think that sounds bad i think that sounds very realistic really yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely because a coach could also tell an athlete I, i'm not the right one for you i don't want to work with you because of whatever reason i mean it works both ways exactly yeah 
Well, this has all been very exciting, Jesse. I am just really, I'm, I've always been amazed with the journey of athletes because of their training, because of the mindset, because of they've got to push through that grit they've got to have, you've got to have, the grit that you've got to have. Is there any point in time, if you can give me an example, we'll wrap up with this. Is it, was there a point in time in your training or in the games? Oh, actually, yeah, in the games, when you're going for gold and you're doing the butterfly, the backstroke, the breaststroke. The <laughs> oh, my God. In the one heat, in the one competition, is there any point in time where you're thinking to yourself, the person next to me is going faster or I'm, I'm going... Like, are you ever comparing yourself in the pool? Yes. <laughs> wow. We, we are... It depends on the event. But in my event we are strongly advised and my coach was very disappointed. He could see me looking across into the other lane and he was, he was, oh, I think he had his eyes closed. He was like, what is he doing? Oh no, he's going to throw it away. Cause particularly for my event. Um, so I'll keep the story quick. In 2015 at the world championships, because how will I compete in the Paralympics? I race people with all kinds of disabilities, but we're all about the same level of ability. So mm-hmm. someone might have a whole arm, uh, someone might have all round weakness in their limbs, but we're all uh, approximately similar in uh, ability, even though we have different disabilities. Yeah. Which means that in my event, having four strokes, butterfly, backstroke, breaststroke, freestyle, we all have different strengths. So breaststroke is all about your legs. So someone missing an arm will be really strong there. Whereas I have missing both my legs, they'll go flying past me. Mm. So we were, uh, the top five countries, we were uh, like way, way apart, like 15 meters at some points. The lead changed multiple times through these strokes. And then everyone came together in the freestyle after it was like, oh, that person's going to win by a mile. That person's going to win. Oh, no, they're dropping away. Everyone came together and it was like a fingernail touch uh, at the wall. And unfortunately, I came fourth in that one, but it was an incredible race. Oh. I think, I think uh, sometimes... Because of that situation, it makes it really exciting, but you have to swim your own race. Mm. You can get really sucked out by someone else who's using their, so their stroke and their strength and they're flying past you and you have to bide your time. You have to be patient. You have to think that, sure, they might be stronger in the breaststroke, but I can get them in the backstroke and the freestyle and I have to play to my strengths. And that's why my coach was so worried. He was like, he's not swimming to his own race. He needs to focus. Um, which I was a little bit disappointed with myself, um, but I still got there in the end. I really, I put my head down in that freestyle uh, and went into the wall as hard as I could, swam my own race, tried to forget about everybody else because I think that's really important because you're the only one who can know what you're capable of. Um, And I think it's really important that you stay focused on that and think about your technique, the stuff that matters rather than looking to the side and getting distracted. Did you stick more towards your own race when you won the gold or were you also looking towards everybody else as well? Look, <laughs> I would have liked to have been a lot more focused on my own race. That was probably the least focused I've ever been. <laughs> I was a little bit too nervous. I'm not going to lie. Look, Sorry, go on. 50% of the race was focused on myself and that was the best 50% of the race. <laughs> I love that because Jesse, what you're saying applies to just life. That if you just stop looking at social media, that you just stop looking and comparing yourself. If you just stick to your own race, your own journey, that's the, the that's the journey. That's how you're going to make it. Yeah. Like, and, 
your training is a metaphor for the world that we live in. You just got to stick to the journey, your own lane. And everyone's going to go faster, slower, but it's irrelevant because your journey is your own. Your ability is your own. I love that. I, no, I, I think it's pretty good too. I try and use the lessons I learn in everyday life as well. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, that's what fascinates me. And I just want to say, Jesse, you know, thank you for being, um, and I know you, this is how you just see, you just built a love for swimming, but you really are someone who has found your passion, not only found it and made it, you're such a, an example of a professional in your game. You're such an example of elite sportsmanship and it's such an honour to speak with you because really I'm speaking to a gold medalist who has defied the odds, who has focused on your ability and been able to create awesome success with what you can do. So thank you so, so much. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really nice to chat. So <laughs> Absolutely. And all the very best for the current competition coming up and for Tokyo. It's on the cards. Fantastic. I'll give you, I'll give you a wave when I'm out there. Please. Yeah, yeah. I'll be screaming, Oh, thank <laughs> Thanks so much. Very much. Thank you so much, Jesse, guys. And thank you. We'll catch you in our very next episode.